This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. Great to have you. I love you, Cashflow Carl, Short-Term Rental Management. If you are looking for more bookings, better reviews, and more cash, with your short-term rental property, you are in the right place. We're going to teach you everything you need to know about that stuff uh, as far as self-management is concerned in the world of short-term rental real estate. And today, I am honored to have a repeat offender, one of my best friends in life, and uh, excellent co-host, Big P, the godfather, Mr. Pavan Matarada, joining me once again to talk all things rental real estate. And particularly today, we are going to cover the evolution of short-term rentals since we have both been in this business for a very long time. Uh, we're also going to talk about market saturation, everybody's favorite hot topic. And we're also going to read a little bit of listener mail. So it's great to have you. Short-term rental management. And a word from this week's sponsor. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by eXp or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. Short-term rental management, great to be here. Long hair Luke, Cashflow Carl, the uh, owner of the highest grossing property in Destin, Florida, 2023. That is me, man, doing a... Good. Having a great year, crushing it, loving life, and it is great to be here on Short-Term Rental Management with my co-host, with the most, the best in the business, Pavan. This is the business we have chosen, Metarada. How you doing, buddy? Now, doing great, man. Good to be here. Happy to see you again. My pleasure. 100% my pleasure. We know each other a long time, and uh, this guy's the best in the business. Huge, uh, huge influence on me, uh, and uh, just an honor. So thank you. Uh, today, I want to talk about the evolution of the business. Uh, I want to talk about the fact that uh, you've been around for a long time. Uh, I've been around for a decent amount of time, um, and uh, and things have changed a little bit. Uh, we're going to cover the saturation word that gets brought up constantly, but uh, uh, you let's go back to your history. You started very early on, uh, pre-Airbnb, or at least before anybody even knew what it was. So um, what was uh, what was it like back then? Back in the old days, yeah, you know, and I've told the story before, so I'll keep it brief. But you know, 2011, we bought our first property. Uh, quickly realized how much more money we could make and how what a better experience we could provide for our guests if we manage it ourselves. Um, at the time, it was PM websites and VRBO at the time, which is now called Verbo. Um, TripAdvisor actually was pretty big back then as well. I had a, I had a lot of bookings from TripAdvisor um, until it kind of went stale from a booking standpoint. So um, since then, you know, we've seen a lot of change 
inventory wise, we've seen a lot of shift from PMs to self managers. Um, we've seen um, a lot of institutional money actually coming into the market and buying up properties. We've seen big PMs like Vacasa who are buying all of mom and pop shops um, and trying to make a go of it. Um, but I still personally believe that a, a well-run self-managed operation will outperform a big, uh, well-funded uh, industry, industrial, you know, complex, as it were, because we care. We care more about our guests. We love our guests. Um, we want them to have a good experience. We have, I've had a ton of people get engaged at my properties, come back for their honeymoon, um, come back for their baby moon, anniversaries, and... It feels good to be in this business and provide them with a great vacation. Um, the big PMs don't care, right? They're just there to get money. Um, and I, I enjoy that part of it as well, but I also enjoy being able to provide a good experience for people that are on vacation. They're spending the hard-earned money uh, to come to my property. I want to make sure they have a great time. So we've seen a lot more professional in the individuals like like ourselves, right? Who started off with spreadsheets and yellow legal pads, now using pricing tools and PMS software. There we go. There it is. Um, so you know, technology has come a long way in the last twelve years. Um, we can still use legal pads. <laughs> um, much more automation. I mean, you and I used to argue about pricing software. If you remember that, you were the anti price labs. Actually, back then it was beyond, right? Beyond pricing was a first. Oh, was one. I really? I don't remember that. Do, do tell, do tell. I'm like, dude, we have to do this pricing software. You're like, no way, man. I don't trust it. I do my own pricing. I'm like, all right. Then I tried it, and I'm like, I'm making so much more money with this pricing software. You have to use it. And then we found Price Labs. The price point was a little better, um, and the ease of use was there as well. And had to look back. Yeah, I think I vaguely do. I do vaguely remember that. I think what happened was is you were saying uh, when those soft when the pricing softwares first came out, uh, they were notorious for pricing properties very high, and they they didn't have nearly the capability that they do now. You know, so I I vaguely yeah I do just I don't I don't remember things in general, but uh, I think I think what it was was (laughs) I was concerned. Cause I'm my ass is in the seats guy. I like my prices to be a little lower and I I'm a 365 day big picture guy rather than how much can I get for the, you know, each like tonight, can I get a thousand bucks? I would rather just get that damn thing booked. And at the time the pricing software's kind of had a reputation for being the opposite. They were pricing things high and occupancy low. That being said, again, they didn't have the occupancy customizations and, 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 uh, you know, uh, filling in the gaps and all that kind of stuff. They were very simple. Um, and this really wasn't that long ago, but, but yeah, I do remember uh, because I was like, nah, I like the way I do it. I like my historical data. I like my enemy method. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I totally forgot all about that. Of course, today, huge fan, huge fan. They have so many uh, customizations and settings in these softwares now that, you know, you could, you could tweak it, you know, to your, Till the end of the time and get everything exactly where you want it to be. And back then wasn't quite there yet. Uh, but, but yeah, you're right, man. I, I was anti for a minute. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> game changer has been a game changer for both of us and for the industry in general. I think tools like that, like PMS software, easy to use PMS software has been a game changer. So enabling people like you and I to get an early start and a quick, uh, you know, quick start up and running is definitely a big evolution from where we went once started. I mean, I was 
even, even the fact, even Airbnb now does automatic messaging, right? That was that didn't exist. So I was texting or emailing every single guest manually, um, you know, not too long ago, and that was a huge pain in the ass. So it's, it's, it's much easier now. It's still not passive, but it's much easier now than it ever was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, it was it was fairly uphill in the snow both ways. It was uh, um, it was a different experience. You had to, you know, it's almost like we were pioneers in this thing, you know, in the in the whole do it yourself kind of vibe. Although I never really felt like I was doing it myself. I felt like I was building a business, building a company. Um, and uh, and then the softwares came along and changed everything. Um, I almost don't know what it's like to come into this from a new person's perspective. I can imagine it's completely overwhelming with hundreds and hundreds of softwares to choose from and you don't know who to trust and everybody's a guru and everybody's trying to sell you a class and everything else that none of that existed period uh when we first started i, I tell the story a lot i'm gonna tell it again when i very first started in the smokies there was like two other uh people on airbnb that were clearly doing it doing it themselves you know and I, I enemy met this lady and, and gave her my phone. We got, she got on the phone with me. And it was unheard of back then. She lived in Memphis and she was managing, I think she had three of them. Um, and she had a big job, big full-time uh, heavy job. And, um, and uh, she was doing it. And, and I was like, man, if this person can do it, I can do it. You know, I can do it. I'm closer than she is. And, and, I, and I don't have, she was working like 80 hours a week, you know? So, uh, I, I, it was literally like me and four other people in the Smokies on Airbnb. Of course, Verbo had been around a long time by then, you know, but, um, but the whole Airbnb thing was new and it was scary. Um, I will say in the grand scheme of things, not that much is different. Um, it, it, it's uh, again, I have a different perspective because you, you know, we, we're like the old school vibe here, but at the end of the day, um, you're just providing a great place for people to have a vacation. And just, I'm super psyched that you brought up the guest thing. This is something that does not get talked about enough. Okay. The whole reason we are here, the entire point of all of this is to show these folks a great time on their vacation. Okay. We can't do it without our guests. They're wonderful people. Even when we hate their guts, they're, they're wonderful people uh, they work extremely hard. They save all their cash all year long to come spend it on our house. And, um, and it's an amazing experience. You know, it, it is, it is it's a little stressful at times. Sometimes you get a bad guest or a lot of times they don't realize how much money goes into actually making that thing function and that you're only making a fraction of that at the end of the day. But um, if you, you got to put that number one, it always has to be first or so off on a tangent here, but it's an important tangent. The guests have to be number one. That's why we are here. We love them. Um, and, uh, and, and let's never forget that. But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, the evolution of, uh, of the, uh, the softwares, which really hasn't been that long, you know, and now I think we're to the point where it's overwhelming. It's like, what in the, how do I even know which one of these to pick? You know, so that is, has definitely changed. I'll say another thing that's changed. Some of these new hosts are like crushing it. There's some new hosts. Every now and then I'll do some enemy methoding and I'm like, dude, who is this? Like, where did this property come from? Their pictures are out of sight. Their artwork on the walls is dynamite. I mean, it's like, you know, they got like a freaking uh, a pizza oven or whatever, like all this crazy stuff. And it never would have existed back when we first started. Putting greens. 
putting greens. Yeah. You know, so I look around at my neighbors and I'm like, wow, this has changed. And it's very rare. I mean, it's only like one in a, in, in a couple of hundred hosts. Um, but I've, I've also, let me take, let me tell you this. I've seen some of these new hosts with all this crazy fancy stuff and this beautiful house, like way over the top. And their calendar still doesn't look that great because they suck at pricing. You know, you gotta be, it's gotta be an all in one deal, right? You gotta stick to brass tacks. You really do, man. And pricing is always, in my opinion, going to be number one. So, um, just because somebody has this beautiful, glorious, like, you know, super house or whatever, um, that doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, too much competition. Cause I have seen that where this house was like, and the calendar was up because their price isn't too high, or maybe they have to price it that high to get booked. I don't know because they spent all this money on amenities or who knows, you know? Um, and then that brings me to saturation. We hear this word all the time. That was not a thing when you and I first started, I'd never, never been brought up. I will say that I do hear that word in all aspects of life now cars, um, uh, running, you know, every other things that I do, uh, motorcycles, um, saturation gets brought up constantly. Um, and here's my take on that. Okay. Here's my take on that. If you're worried about what the other folks are doing, then you're just sucking at it. You, you can't be worried about that. You got to be better than everybody else or you're never going to make it. And that's with everything in life. Okay. So uh, perfect example. You want to be a pest control guy, you know, like, let's say I want to start my own pest control company. You're from Ohio and in, in Cleveland, Ohio, Toledo, Ohio. Well, guess what? There's already a hundred other pest control companies there. So you can say, well, it's saturated. I'm going to give up on this idea before I even started. And by the way, to open a pest control company is going to cost you way the hell more than a down payment in most cases, you know? Um, well, I don't know. Don't quote me on that because down payments can get pretty high, you know, but uh, it ain't going to be cheap to start any kind of business. And we are starting a business here. And if you are going into this worried that there are so many other people doing what you are doing, then you don't, you don't belong here. You know, it's just like, it's a waste of your time. If you're worried about somebody else knocking you out and not putting bookings on your calendar, quite frankly, you're just kind of a loser. You know, you're going to, you're going to get stopped before you start. Same thing with running. I already mentioned running. I go to the, I go to the starting line. Let's, let's saturation. I go to the starting line at a race, right? I've been training this thing for this thing for five months. I show up at the race. Now too many people at this starting line. It's saturated. I'm just going to go home. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Got to run the race. I'm not even going to run the race, but let me put, let me put it this way. If the area is not saturated, then you're probably in the wrong damn area. You know what I mean? So uh, if, if there's not a hundred other people on your block doing this, then it's probably not even illegal or something. You know what I mean? Like you, to me, the saturated area is exactly where you want to be. Cause all you got to do is go in there and be better than everybody else. And clearly this is an area that wants us to be doing short-term rental uh, because there's a, a, an ass load of them. So all I got to do is go in here and be better than everybody else. It's exactly why I called it the enemy method. And this is going back from day one, day one, I was looking around uh, and people say it's so much different now. It's so saturated. Now I was busting my ass day one back before IGMS and all this other crap looking at my competition. What is this guy doing? I got to be better than him. That's how I, that's why I called it the enemy method. You know, this stalking your competition has been around for a billion years, but I just happened to name it, you know, and I came up, I came up cause I was considering these people, my enemies. And this was like 10 years ago. You're my enemy. 
you're saturating my market and I'm going to take you down because I'm better than everybody and I'm hungry and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, anyway, soapbox on the saturation thing to me, it's, you know, it's not good. You don't want a million other people doing exactly what you're doing, but it, at the same time, in a lot of ways, it is pretty good. You know, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I mean, the regulations are there. I mean, you guys preach this, the short-term shop, right? Regulations are set. You have to worry about any surprises. Um, like I said, it could be illegal. It's not. Um, you know, there's. I think we're seeing a lot of property shift from professional property management companies to individual owners like us. So yeah. while it may seem that it's more saturated, I think inventory Airbnb is up like, what, 5%? So 5% is not oversaturated. 5% is, is a healthy increase. Um, and a, a bulk of that, I think, is people moving from PMs and putting their properties on the OTAs that where they weren't listed before. They were not, were not on Airbnb. They were not on VRBO or Verbo. Um, um, and, you know, I, I bought three properties this year. So I'm still buying about four last year. So I still think there's plenty of space out there for a good operator um, to work and to make money in this in this environment um, and in the in a true vacation market. I think some of the urban markets can be a little more challenging. I'm not saying they're not good, but I I prefer the vacation markets because um, I like to go there, and I think people like to go there, and the, it's it's primed and infrastructure is set for people like us to work remotely. Yes, you bring up an excellent point. Okay, so tons of people have, uh, this business has exploded. Let's not make any, no mistakes, okay? In the last three or four years with COVID and the whole nine yards, it was it was one of those businesses that went nuts, like motorhomes went nuts, you know? Um, and this business did explode for real. So yes, I get the, I get it where you could come with this saturation thing, but here's, an, here's another thing. Besides the fact that all you have to do is be better than the other guy, okay? Here's another thing. I would say 90 plus percent of these deals, these, these short terms are owned by either somebody who's got it with a pro professional property manager and doesn't care or somebody who doesn't have it with a pro professional property manager and doesn't care. The vast majority of people just put it up for rent and forget about it. They plug in price labs. They never look at their price labs. They don't care. And quite frankly, they don't need to care. They probably shouldn't care. Let me, paint, let me paint you a picture. You got a husband and wife sitting at the dinner table. He wants a boat. She wants a condo. Which one are they going to get? They're getting the condo, you know? <laughs> so now all of a sudden we've got this property because I wanted to go sit on the beach and hang out with my kids. And we had some extra money and I was sick of spending money on somebody else's condo. So we bought our own condo. Two years later, they forget they got it. They don't care. If, if it's not a squeaky wheel, it doesn't matter, right? And in the grand scheme of rental real estate, most people have extra dough. There's not a lot of people out there that can just go buy real estate that don't have any money. You know, so these most of the time you're dealing with folks that didn't care about that. You know, it's just an it was a toy. It's a toy. And if my property manager or if my wife or my husband, whoever's managing it, is calling me and saying, Hey, it's gonna be eighteen hundred dollars this month. Sorry, we were a little short and we didn't have any bookings and the water heater died, you know. If you keep hearing that over and over again, yeah, you're probably gonna end up selling it in two or three years. But if you don't ever hear about it, man, what in the world is wrong with a piece of real estate sitting there that you don't hear about just chugging right along? And I think that for real is like the vast majority, I'm telling you 90 plus percent of who owns rental real estate, that's exactly the box that they fit in. What do you think? 
I know they're not listening to, listening to this podcast for sure. So, um, bam. <laughs> oh, ones that are getting. The good news is for the folks that are worried about saturation, only six people listen to my podcast. So you're only competing with six people. All right. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> sell with the short term shop. Are you looking to sell your short term rental or even 1031 into a different property? Our team of realtors will work hard to get you the most for your investment. We are experts in our field and would love to earn your business. When it's time to sell, call the shop. TheShortTermShop.com That's TheShortTermShop.com Brokered by EXP. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, no, um, it's if you're a serious operator, you can make money in this business. If you if you pay attention, put the time in. Um, I agree. You have to have money to get started, or at least a little bit of money to get started. I mean, you're a good story, right? You started with a very little, and now have a lot. Um, but you cared, and you were hustling, right. and you're in the podcast. So you were reading books. So you were visiting properties. You're obsessing over your listing every day. Um, and it, it takes that kind of commitment to be able to make a difference in this industry today to make money. Yeah. You can buy a second home and it pays for itself. You're happy. You can use it. That's fun too. That's not who um, we're talking to, right? Or that's not who, what we're focused on here. We're focused on how do, how do we run an efficient, profitable business? Um, and my goal with our business has always been to scale it big enough that I don't have to spend a ton of time on it. Um, so I'm happy to operate at a 90% level because getting squeezing that last 10% is a ton of work. And I don't have to do that. Um, but 90%, like a 90% occupancy, for example, for me is a win. I'm, I'm very, very happy with that across the portfolio of you know 32 properties. That one you was baller is baller is what that is. You know, you're, you're crushing it. You're absolutely crushing it, you know? Uh, but yeah, with change comes opportunity. Okay. And there's been a lot of change in the business and every business. And, uh, if you're not growing, you're dying, man. We're fruit at the end of the day, we're fruit. If we're not growing, we are dying. You've got to keep up, watch me for the changes and try to keep up, uh, as, uh, as, uh, Michael J. Fox would say on back to the future. So, um, you know what we need to do? What we need to do is to have somebody that's new on and talk to them about their experience with all these softwares and how overwhelming it was. I would love to have that happen because you are, you are talking to two old, uh, two great, you know, I mean, I got the gray hair going on and we've been doing this a while and, uh, our perspective is maybe a little different, but I'm here to tell you it's, stuff's not changed that much, but uh, if you want to be on the show, guest at strmshow.com guest at str. It's an email address, by the way, I had somebody tell me, Luke, I went to that website and it wasn't there. Well, it's an email address. Guest at the at, at strmshow.com. Um, and uh, oh, by the way, speaking of, speaking of, I do want to bring, I want to read some mail. Let's read some mail. I had a piece oh. of mail from a listener. Um, I will uh, not name his name, but the subject says condo problems. Okay, this is a very long email. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Condo pr problems with our condo. Um, uh, from the time we made the offer communication with the selling side was, this is a 20 point bullet list. So we're going to do our best here. I don't want to take everybody's time, but let's just walk through that, some of these things that, uh, as we change subjects now, uh, you know, this is what new folks have to go through sometimes, you know? Uh, but anyway, here we go. First time, uh, made an offer 
uh, the communication on the seller side was terrible. We had many, many problems with them, but the main one was finding out the date that they had the condo rented after closing. Okay, so in other words, uh, how long and how many bookings did they have after they closed? And the sell, what are you doing? Is sellers difficult? Not not communicating with the agents and things like that. I mean, I've dealt with so many sellers these days. Um, I'm very low maintenance. I'm a low maintenance buyer, right? I know if it's the deal, the numbers work for me for the deal. I could put up with a non-communicative seller because I already know what I need. I know I, I just got to get to the closing line, the closing table. Um, and so only time I'll have issues will be inspection, right? So, but there's a, there's a, there's a deadline for that. They have to respond, I think, within three days after you submit the inspection report. So um, I, let them off, I let them off the hook a lot. Because for me, if the deal is worth it, I, I can I can put up with you know difficult to sellers. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of the times those sellers will come back to me and offer me off market deals um, because I was so easy to deal with. So I'd be like, hey, you bought you know you bought one from me last year. I got two more for sale. You want them? I'm like, okay. Um, so find the, the the you can't hold on to that. You gotta let it go. And you know they probably don't care. They're busy. They're doing stuff. So yeah. Or they may, may be upset because they have to sell it. Maybe they're in a rough family situation. They'd be forced to sell and they're unhappy about it. I had that. My, um, the one I bought in March was like that husband and wife are getting divorced. Um, they, they didn't want to sell, but they had to and they were being really difficult. Um, but it worked out at the end. I, I got what I wanted. I got the price I wanted and the concessions that I needed, that I needed that inspection to get the deal done. Uh, yeah, I agree. You got to build a reputation as a buyer. Um, you need to be easy to work with. Uh, and this is something I've dealt with over the years because I've traditionally been not easy to work with in life. But and when it comes to buying real estate, dude, I make myself as easy as possible. Uh, it was a lesson I had to learn the hard way in the early days. Uh, but you get a reputation with your agent and the uh, other agents out there, uh, the seller agents or whoever, every agent in the market. Oh, the, uh, you know, this agent's got a buyer that's real easy. Let's go to them. You know, let's, we, I don't even have to list it. Let me send her a text. That guy's probably going to buy it, you know. So to, now to get to that point is difficult, but uh, I agree. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, okay, during the final walkthrough, there was water all over the floor. Figured out it was the refrigerator. We planned to replace it in January, so we went ahead with closing. Turns out there was no drip pan under the fridge. We couldn't find one anywhere to replace it. Uh, they don't make it anymore. Uh, how did the owner not know about this problem? The listing agent told us he thought the drip pan was full. So he's saying that the giving the illusion there that uh, the seller did know that it was dripping. And guess what? He probably did. You know, he doesn't care. He's selling the house. What does he care? Get rid of it. So you see water on the floor. You think it's coming from the fridge? Uh, Pavon, where I come from, you get a new damn fridge. You know, I exactly. mean, I'm buying, a, I'm buying a house of any kind. I just assume that all that shit's got to re be replaced. Now, when you're new, it's expensive and it's scary and it's a pain in the ass. You don't have your systems in place. If I need to buy a new fridge today, I mean, I, I know exactly who to call. I know exactly what unit, I, what model I want, and just done did. I got my card on file. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even, I usually don't even make the calls. One of my other guys, one of my guys will make the, hey, John, can you call? We need a, a, a fridge over here at unit number, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I'm sure you feel the same on that one. I agree. I mean, I mean, going into a deal, I have my budget for what I think it's going to take to get it up to, to my standard. And I add another 50% on top of that just for stuff like that. Like, and I build it into the deal. So now, I know I, that. Yes, that's the right way to do it. But if let's say I don't have any money. You still got to understand that you're going in there renting an old ass fridge and probably something's going to happen. So you're, you're, you're on borrowed time. You're on borrowed money with that refrigerator. 
Um, and if you want to ride, I mean, if it's leaking all over, you don't have a choice. It's got to go, you know, so forget right. about this drip pan, for drip pan. What the hell, what the hell is that? It's going to, you're going to ruin your floors. You know, then you got a bigger and your, expense. And your neighbor's ceiling underneath you. And condo, and absolutely. It's going to drip all the way through. Yep. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, all right. Uh, the condo was filthy from the previous renters, dirty dishes, food in the refrigerator, sheets on the floor of the laundry room. The floors were so filthy. Our socks were black. <laughs> what do you make of that? Clean it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to clean it. Any, no one's going to clean as well as your team is. You, every property I buy, you go in and do a deep clean right away. It's the, I mean, not the first thing. Once I finish the upgrades, the next thing is deep clean. And by deep clean, I mean, get it every, everything underneath, the, behind the appliances, inside the cabinets, the floors, obviously. Um, you got to, you, you can't expect it to come to you that clean. I mean, they say broom clean, right? When you buy a property. Um, and sometimes you don't even get that. So I've had to pay extra on some properties to clear the trash out of the garage or I had, I had to pay two grand to get rid of tires. And one of my properties I had like 50 tires stacked up behind that they didn't take. Um, it, it's part of the deal, but you got to clean, but you can't expect it to come clean that way. You know, get in, get your clean team in there, pull all the trash out, do what you got to get your work done. And then somebody send that back in to clean it. Yeah. See, I think this, uh, this, 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 uh, listener is trying to imply that they were getting like screwed over here or something like that. But, uh, quite frankly, this is, you know, I mean, yeah, this is getting, starting to get a little annoying with uh, as much stuff as he's got here. But I mean, you buy rental real estate, it's, you know, it's going to have some quirk. Go buy a long-term rental, go buy a long-term rental that has a tenant in it. Uh, you know, let's say you buy a long-term rental that's got a tenant in it and the tenant moves out the day before you close. I'm going to tell you right now, that thing is going to be trashed, trashed. You're talking about dirty socks. Forget about it, man. Uh, all right. What else do we have here? Uh, the old cleaning crew wouldn't bring us the keys to the owner's closet. We finally got them on Wednesday, um, a week and a half after closing. That's a very good point. I guess, I guess it's our job to make sure folks realize, at least where I come from, no matter what kind of house you're buying, rental, primary, uh, short-term, whatever, midterm, multifamily, you're going to be swapping those keys out. I mean, uh, when I buy a short-term, I almost never even get keys. It's always a push button. And a lot of times uh, they don't know the code or they forget to give you the code or what, you got to call the old property manager. There's all this shenanigans and nonsense. Uh, do you have a key system there or are you just plan to replace them? Uh, uh, everything. My sister, I replace. The first, the first thing I do when I buy a property is put new locks on. Um, Put in my new smart lock and a lock box with the key in it um, as backup. Um, that way I don't need any copies. Uh, owner's closet key, I, I do I like it when they give it to me, but if they don't, you just bust it off and get a new one. So um, I definitely get all new keys for the external, re key all the external locks to one key to the new one and then put that in a lock box. Absolutely. Uh, the dishwasher sounded like a jet engine. We didn't even hear the TV when it ran. Uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and get new. Anyway, so yeah, dishwasher's busted. So here's the thing. It's not starting to sound like this This person uh, didn't go to the property, okay? So because if you go to the property for the inspection or, or even on the inspection report, they should be running the dishwasher and giving you this information. Maybe you didn't get a good inspector. Who knows? Uh, but you got to go to the property. Now, if you don't go to the property, which I've done many times, I'm sure you have as well, um, you need to understand that this stuff is going to happen, you know? Uh, you need to be prepared for the unknowns because if you haven't been there and touched it, felt it, smelled it, 
you don't even know what you're getting yourself into here. So now can you buy a property without going to look at it, which it sounds like this person did? Yes, I've done it many times, but I knew what I was getting myself into. And again, in his defense, with experience, you know, the first couple of times you buy a property, all this stuff is crazy scary, but you get better at it. You almost get to the point where it's all old hat. You don't even care anymore. What are your thoughts on uh, going uh, pre-closing inspection? When do you go or does it change every time? I mean, there's one property I haven't even seen yet, so I don't go every time. (laughs) In fact, I rarely go um, until after it's decorated and ready and pretty so I can sleep it in. Um, so um, I definitely have a good inspector that does look look at stuff like dishwasher. So if that got missed on the inspection, um, that's bad on the inspector. Or um, I, also have, I also get at least two sets of eyes to go through it as well. So that inspector goes through and I have my housekeeper come through as well, who's going to be responsible for maintaining it and go through with her eye to make sure she sees, because um, she'll, she'll, she'll see things that maybe don't rise to the level of inspection. Uh, so, you know, there's a leak here, not only a leak here, but this is cracked or this floors are kind of run down, these carpet needs to be replaced. You know, other things, the decor needs updated, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I'll get at least two sets of eyes. And I'll have, if I have questions on things that ha- on the inspector raised, I'll have her follow up on that as well. And if I need to bring a third set in, like a specialist for a foundation or whatever, I'll do that. But um, I find, as long as I have two sets, it seems to work out pretty well. So, like I said, I bought three this year. I didn't see them until after close. Hmm. And one of them I haven't seen yet at all. And it's been up and running for, you know, a month and a half. Yeah. Um, I, I bought I bought apartment buildings without going to look at them. Now, do I recommend doing that? No. You definitely, especially if you're new, you need to get your ass over there. You need to get over there. I'm talking to a guy yesterday, and he's uh, he's had his house for two years. He's not getting any bookings. And it came out that he's never been there in two years. And I'm like, well, um, you, you know, you don't even know what you're doing wrong because you've never, and he's new, you know, it's not like you, he's got a hundred of these things and he's, you know, he's got a system that repeats itself. This is guy's got one property, never seen it in two years and his calendar's empty. It's like, well, dude, pretty good place to start with get your ass over there and touch it and feel it, you know? Um, and again, this this email starting to sound like this guy's probably just a noob. And here's the good news, uh, Mr. Email, Mr. Listener. Um, you're going to look back and forget you even sent this email. You know what right. I mean? In two years or six months when you got a calendar that's full and all this stuff has been fixed, you're not even going to know or care. You know, you're going to be like, uh, uh, wait, what, what did I send you an email? I forgot. About, I don't even know what you're talking about. Now, I will also say this guy seems to be handling this stuff pretty well. He he did. He mentioned here after the dishwasher, he said he went ahead and bought all new appliances for thirty two hundred bucks. You have no choice. So what are you going to do? Try and file file some sort of lawsuit against the cell? I mean, come on, just go buy new appliances and thirty two hundred bucks for a nice set of appliances. That sounds like a pretty decent deal in today's market. So he's doing a good job of it here. He's just you know working out his kinks and kind of getting his legs under him. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, what was? Let's do one or two more here. Uh, there are many of them. Um, the buyer inspector didn't show up for the inspection to get the business license. It took him over a week and a half. Yeah, you're going to have to plan on stuff like that. You know, um, it's you just anytime you're relying on other people, uh, you never know what to expect. And it's one of those things where now that you've done this, you'll line it up in advance for the next time. So you don't have to waste that week and a half. Exactly. Yep. Uh, fire extinguisher was expired. Both of the smoke alarm batteries were dead. Um, and that 
one that should have been wired was replaced with non-wired. Okay. Well, that's another thing I do. Hey, man, fire safety is a huge deal in rental and in, in real estate in general. Rental, rental real estate. You don't want to lose your house, man. So every time I buy a property, first thing I do, brand new smoke detectors. Boom. And uh, and if they're wired already, I make sure I wire them again. Um, and uh, if they're not wired, then you know maybe I'll put in Wi-Fi. You can get Wi-Fi ones now that'll talk right to your phone and go straight to nine one one or your uh, security system or whatever the case may be. Put it on the list. This guy, see, I feel bad for this guy because it's almost like he's coming to me with this long list of lessons he learned, and I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, I mean, good for you, man. You learn how to not do it like that next time. This is these are all good quality lessons learned here. Lessons are expensive. Yes. Uh, we tried to open the Heidebeg couch. The whole side of the bed was not connected at all. All the bolt screws and springs were gone. I wouldn't wouldn't open it all. Had to buy a new Heidebeg. Yes. If you're buying a new short-term rental that's got furniture, you are buying a used-ass couch. Uh, and it's probably got, I mean, think of how many, uh, there might be some ladies listening. I'm not going to get into that stuff, but you get the idea. There's some gross stuff probably happening there if it even works. Uh, now, again, I'm going to hope that the, in this guy's defense, I hope that it works. So that I don't have to go buy one right away, or at least I did in my early days. Today, hell no. Most of the time, I'm ditching everything or most of it, uh, and I got a system. I got the furniture guy I like. He's got the couch I like. I call him up. They deliver the same shit, same shit in every house. So yeah. simple. Wasn't that you that gave me the paint the paint quote? We were talking about paint colors or something. Standardize, baby. Standardize. Yep. You want a catchphrase? Standardize your stuff. You can't get to Pavon's level if you've got – a hundred different types, brands of deadbolts and a hundred different uh, toilet paper dispensers. Everything's got to be the same, same paint color, same plumber, same toilets. I put the same toilets in every house. So that if that house same breaks, business. it's the same guts. It's the same everything, you know? So um, standardize. That's a good lesson for this person to learn here. I'll give you one more standardize. That's a Pavon original. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, cable TV box for the bedroom didn't work. It had no sound. Now the cable TV box has no sound on just a few channels. Has no sound on a few channels in the living room. Okay, so two cable boxes out. Good, man. That's great. Get rid of the throw, throw them in the trash. They're not even your boxes. They're the other guy's boxes. So you won't even get a fine, man, if you don't send them back. I'm trashing those sons of bitches, and I'm getting <laughs> the highest internet I can get, and I'm putting on the Roku, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm cutting the cord, baby. What about you? Same. Yeah. I mean, cable boxes, I get rid of them. I just all do Roku only. Um, I think I said it before. I share Hulu live account for my properties where they're geographically co-located. So I could pay one subscription fee and use that for live TV at every single property. So um, it's much more cost effective. Um, and I, and I don't, I'm only paying for internet, right? I'm not worrying about the boxes dying, especially in the beach market here, the solitary eats in those boxes constantly. So absolutely right. oh yeah roku's the way to go so you know this guy learned some valuable lessons he said it cost him about 12 grand to get it up and running and i'd say that's probably a pretty par for the course i don't know how many bed uh it didn't say how many bedrooms it was but um i, I would uh i would i would be li listen at the point i'm in my career right now as opposed to where i was when i first started i would say that that's he first of all he handled it well uh, and that's twelve thousand dollars worth of lessons he learned, and uh, he won't have to do that again next time, or he'll just have that twelve grand ready to go, and then he'll know who to call. You know, so you know, but now he's a nice property. It's outfitted well, and hopefully, we won't have to worry about doing that down the future. So you got, you know, got ahead of it. 
from that perspective as well. Absolutely. Ouch. Upstream. Get upstream of it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Have you been reading any books? You got a book uh, recommendation, something you've been reading lately? I'm reading trash right now. I'm reading a, I read a book called Rockonomics. You got to, you might like it. It was it's essentially how the broader, how the rock and roll music industry is analogous to the broader economy and how the top one, two percent of artists are making all the money, like, you know, Beyonce and Ed Sheeran, you two, Justin Bieber, and kind of dynamics behind that. So, oh, so it's a kind of a music and business book uh, yeah. combined there. It's not a fun read. It's a little dry at times. It was written by an accountant, but it was an interesting book. All right, cool. I just started a book called The Power of Place. Uh, just started it, so I don't have any anything to report, but I'll uh, let you know if it was any good. So, on behalf of Short Term Rental Management, Cash Flow Carl, uh, and Mr. Big P. Mr. Pavan, the godfather of short-term rental. It's great to have you on the program once again. And uh, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it.